We have with us lovely Dr. Amatma Simmons. Welcome over here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Gupta. Oh, wonderful. Yes, I'm really excited about the topic today, you know, especially about the infertility and Hashimoto's. Such a big topic, and I think that's the most neglected one. So definitely going to delve into all the details, but let me introduce you first. So Dr. Omatma is a double board certified naturopathic doctor and endocrinologist, is in practice for close to 15 years. She specializes in fertility and is a best-selling author of two books, Fertility Secrets, What Your Doctor Didn't Tell You About Maybe Making, and Infertility, Struggles, Secrets, and successes. Dr. Omatma was awarded the best naturopathic medicine doctor locally in 2015 and 2020 and recognized as the top woman in medicine doctor in 2020 and 2021. In addition to supporting couples through individualized care in person and long distance, Dr. Omatma also trains practitioners who wants to specialize in fertility. She has been featured as a holistic fertility expert on ABC, Fox, CBS, KTLA, Mind Body Green, The Bump, etc. Along with being interviewed for countless podcasts on the topic of fertility, pregnancy, and postpartum health. Also the creator of Fertile Foundation Supplement, a line of research-driven nutrients to support your fertility journey. And she's also a host of podcast called Egg Meat Sperm Podcast. Welcome over here. That's a great introduction that you have over here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Yes, great. So let's delve directly into Hashimoto's and fertility. So a lot of people will like to know, uh, how does Hashimoto's affect fertility? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think a lot of times it Hashimoto's is affecting how well the body can produce thyroid hormones. And because so often younger women, especially, aren't necessarily aware that they have Hashimoto's, their bodies are either having trouble conceiving or they're potentially having recurrent pregnancy loss and no one has tested the thyroid, right? Or they've tested it, but they've tested TSH. And we know that TSH doesn't actually change till later down the line when the disease has progressed so much that often these women are just thinking that something else is going on or something is wrong with them. But essentially, they're, the problem is starting at the core of their thyroid. Absolutely. Yes. You know, I think, again, I see a lot of females with Hashimoto's in my clinic, which had no idea that their infertility could be associated with Hashimoto's, you know, uh, and unfortunately, as you said, not all of them are completely tested. So that's the first thing, you know, checking, you know, the antibody levels to know whether they have Hashimoto's or not. But what is the yes. connection, you know, like, you know, in simpler terminology, if you want to kind of share, how does thyroid, how does Hashimoto's actually is directly connected to their fertile status? Well, con so conventionally, we have interconnections. Um, if women, if someone has Hashimoto's, they have a higher likelihood of miscarriage, of preeclampsia and potentially placental uh, disruption. Outside of that, we don't really know why Hashimoto's 
directly makes it harder to conceive or causes pregnancy loss. But I would say that any kind of autoimmune issue in the body is somehow preventing implantation potentially. So sometimes women will have chemical pregnancies or they're like, oh, I just like I keep getting a period, but it's out of it's not as regular as it should be. I don't know what's happening. So they'll have these like kind of weird symptoms that they don't necessarily understand. And we don't as doctors, our question is always like, why is this happening? And <laughs> we don't necessarily know exactly why it's happening, but we do know there's these interconnections. I feel like any type of autoimmune is often starting in the gut. So anytime you have disruption in the gut, in either the integrity of the gut lining or the microbiome, you're automatically affecting fertility. So I think it may be one of those like root cause scenarios, root causes in the gut can cause Hashimoto's, it can also cause fertility issues. So they may be like concomitants rather than root cause scenario. So that's that's my theory. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes complete sense now. Because what I'm seeing or what I've at least heard from other GYN friends is that, you know, a decade ago, we had a lot of other reasons for infertility, whether PCOS was the number one issues and other issues. But now they're actually, you know, finding that even after doing all the testing, the conventional testing, they don't find any reason. And they said, well, you know, the male tested out fine, the female tested out fine. We don't know why you have infertility issue. So do you feel that the autoimmune, you know, might be playing a role or somewhere there is a root cause playing a role which the conventional doctors are not able to find? Absolutely. I think um, unexplained infertility is probably the biggest portion of our practice, right? And even, even for me, I have like very rigid kind of guidelines as to what's optimal as far as hormones. And, and sperm health. And even in those cases, a lot of times I'm like, actually, everything looks great. And that's when you, for me, it's like, well, yes, everything looks great. And let's figure out why this is not happening. Because my assumption is always that not being able to conceive or to carry to term is essentially a symptom rather than a disease, quote unquote. So when we aren't able to conceive, it's not happening. We, we may not have the clear answer in the basic hormone tests or ultrasound or what Western scenario testing can offer. That's usually where I go to, okay, well, let's do a further workup. And part of that workup is definitely the thyroid. And I think that so often, A, the thyroid, what's considered normal is such a big range. You probably uh, like see the same, right? There's this right. big TSH is normal between 0.45 and 4.5. Yes. That's such a big range. Like it doesn't tell us anything. And the thyroid gland produces one teaspoon of hormone in an entire year. Mm -hmm. So like it's a very tightly regulated hormone. So to have such a big range doesn't really make sense there. And then it, science says, even now, like, 
for pregnancy, optimal TSH is below 2.5. Some doctors say even below two. And however, if TSH is normal, but no one has tested T3, T4, TPO, and the, all of the antibodies, then we're still a little bit in the dark about what's going on. <laughs> so when people come to us, we just say, well, let's just do the test because then at least we have some understanding of, oh, there's some autoimmune thing going on. There's this going on, that going on. So we will test all the thyroid antibodies. And then we also test anti-nuclear antibodies, which are more generalized autoimmune throughout the body. And I find that the, one of those will often be be present in the unexplained infertility cases, but no one has ever tested it. And partly, if ANA titers were present or if there were antibodies to the thyroid, there's not really a lot that Western medicine can offer. So doctors are like, why are we going to test this? We don't have any solutions. We don't have any medications that we're going to give you for this. But from our side, it's like, well, if this comes out positive, we want to know where it's starting. Is it starting in your gut? Is there something else going on? How do we lower the antibodies? And it, like, sure, we may not reduce antibodies to the point where it's no longer present, but we may be able to get it down just enough to have a healthy pregnancy and not have it affect the future baby. Absolutely. I think that is very, very important. And again, a very important thing that you brought up is that, you know, a lot of doctors will not order a lot of autoimmune testing because they don't have anything to offer. A lot of doctors will not even order the antibodies. They will say, well, if your TSH is normal, antibodies doesn't matter because I don't have anything to fix those antibodies. So right. that's the reason they don't even order it. But let's go back to the actually the levels because, you know, I had this question all the time in my mind is that is GYNs or OBGYNs, you know, for pregnancy, they have a different range of TSH they want to be, right? Yeah. You know, because my yeah. wife, you know, like her TSH was like normal, according to quote unquote, you know, the range. Right. But as soon as right. she got pregnant, you know, her doctor like sent her like a letter saying that, oh, you know, your thyroid is low and we need to put you on a medicine. I was like, what happened suddenly? And when you look at the numbers, it was exactly the, the same. same. Yeah, so, like the numbers are haven't changed. All of a sudden we have a new guideline of what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, the American, it's the Pregnancy Association OBGYNs, I forget what their actual ACOG, like, ACOG, ACOG that's yeah. right. Um, so ACOG has said that if um, for healthy pregnancy, TSH should be below 2.5. And the reason for that is that we know that thyroid has a significant impact on the development of the baby. So if thyroid is not functioning properly, we know that there's a higher likelihood of developmental disorders in the baby. So there's strict regulations as to what the, what the TSH should be. There's also the conventional understanding of thyroid is that because T3 doesn't cross the placenta, you don't need T3 if you're pregnant. So I've had 
I work with some fertility doctors who will send their clients back to me for thyroid management because they're like, well, we don't know what to do here. And you have them on T3 and we like, we don't know what to do. <laughs> um, so when they, so when they send them to me, I'm like, well, sure. Placenta, the T3 doesn't ca cross the placenta, but T3 is going to make the woman feel better. So mm -hmm. if you have a woman that's pregnant and exhausted, that's probably not serving her body in any sort of way. Right. And if you can test T3 and T4 and you see that T4 is not converting over to T3 or T4 levels aren't high enough or T3 isn't high enough, like you can manage it tighter with T4 and T3 because T3 isn't doing any harm. It's not crossing the placenta. So it's not doing the baby any harm. Right. Why wouldn't you want the woman to feel healthy and well while she's pregnant? Mm -hmm. So a lot of uh, the fertility doctors that trust me with this, um, they believe they're like, well, the woman feels better. Just do it. Like do whatever you're doing because they're coming in feeling less exhausted and less, less unwell because we know like thyroid is one of our core hormones if if we're not doing if we're not managing that properly we are gonna feel pretty crappy um so yeah the thyroid it's it's a very interesting anomaly that suddenly you get pregnant and all of a sudden people are like wait now i have thyroid issues what happened <laughs> exactly. so that is always it's interesting really to me and that tells me that okay well you know uh, the conventional medicine for even quote unquote normal people needs to change those ranges because certainly there is an effect that we can see, you know, like, you know, which is a negative aspect. So I just wanted to kind of bring that point because it's always in my mind, especially because that happened with my wife. Yeah, yeah. So now let's kind of talk about, you know, like uh, as we, we spoke about how Hashimoto's affects fertility, but the question a lot of females will have, okay, well, I have Hashimoto's and I have fertility. Are these effect permanent? You know, will I ever be able to become pregnant? Absolutely. So <clears throat> um, autoimmune or Hashimoto's thyroid should not make it impossible to conceive, but it definitely, if Hashimoto's is going on, you have to do whatever is in your power to address the underlying things most of the time when you address the underlying things you're going to see a difference in your antibody levels usually those antibodies go down as healing is happening and and i've had doctors say well the antibodies went down but so what like you still have hashimoto's i'm like well it's it's an indicator if you have tpo antibodies at 900 that's very different than a TPO at 32. <laughs> um, so you, you want to do what you can to address the underlying autoimmune issues. And more often than not, that's going to lead to potentially getting pregnant easier and carrying that baby to term. Now, I tell this to all of our thyroid people. If you had a thyroid condition or suboptimal thyroid function going into the pregnancy, 
you're almost guaranteed to have thyroid dysregulation throughout the pregnancy. So as soon as you get pregnant, that's not the, yay, I'm pregnant, like, stop taking my thyroid meds, goodbye. But more like you need to double down. You're, we're monitoring every six weeks, we want a thyroid test, a full panel of thyroid hormones so that we can say, oh, TSH shifted a little bit. T3 is not, like, body's not producing T3 anymore. It's not producing T4 anymore. Whatever it is, we're monitoring that every six weeks so that we can change and manipulate the dosage of thyroid medication if they're on thyroid medication so that we can regulate kind of tightly in a range and keep them below that TSH below two you know, kind of optimal hormone, thyroid panel hormones as much as we can. And every now and then I, I've seen one woman, <laughs> I had a 45 year old who got pregnant. Um, she literally, her TSH had always been super high. When I started working with her, it was at TSH of eight and she had antibodies to the thyroid. We got everything regulated. Her TSH was, I think we got it down to a two, which was as good as we could get with like just, you know, manipulations. <laughs> and then antibodies were down and then she got pregnant and TSH shot up again. Ooh. And there was no amount of medications that I could feed her to get her TSH down. But she she had a healthy pregnancy, the baby's healthy, everything worked out. But she was one of the few people that no matter, like we kept increasing her dosage of medication every, essentially every four weeks. And there was no change. I was like, how is this possible? Like, this is the first woman who just stays at eight. Right. And then she went through the whole pregnancy, gave birth. And now her TSH is back to below two. So it was like the entire pregnancy just was her body just seemed super stressed out in some ways that her thyroid just stopped being able to function. And it was kind of scary. I was like, I haven't seen a TSH this high in pregnancy. And there's like, I just keep giving you more meds and it's not getting lower it's not budging um and she's like that's okay like i feel good you know she's like i can kind of tell when when my thyroid's not functioning because it was that way for so long mm -hmm. she's like i feel good i felt i haven't felt better in, ever in my life <laughs> so i was like okay so this is a case where she's reporting that she's well her symptoms don't match her labs and we're just going to like continue monitoring and make sure that we're doing what we can, but we're not going to go crazy with like trying to get the numbers right when everything else seems fine. So the, it's, it's a rare case, but usually I'm like, if you've been on thyroid meds, you have to monitor through pregnancy. You're often going to be changing dosages a lot. Um, so this isn't like get a prescription and then stay on it forever. It's more like 
keep changing as your body's changing, the needs are changing. There's not a, there's no pattern to, oh, first trimester it goes up and then second trimester it goes, there's no pattern. It's like different for every person right. and you just have to do what you can to <laughs> get, get, get as closely monitored as possible once you're pregnant. Right. And that's, that's what I like about functional medicine. It's like a so personalized medicine, right? Each and every person for us is different. You know, yes, you know, you saw only one rare case, but then in other cases also, as you said, a lot of other OBGYNs are conventionally trained. They will check the TSH once, maybe one more time, otherwise in the pregnancy, but not so often as you are doing it. So that's great information for folks is that make sure they're getting it checked regularly so that, you know, the dosages could be changed. And again, mm -hmm. that leads to obviously healthy pregnancy, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you know your body, right? So <laughs> a lot of times women are told, oh, you're tired, it's because you're pregnant. And they come to us and I'm like, no, just because you're pregnant, you shouldn't be tired. Like, you are either iron deficient, thyroid deficient, like something else is going on that it your body is telling you that you're tired and you're not functioning at your best mm -hmm. and that's not to say yes like you're gonna have some level of fatigue but there is definitely room for feeling better than most people anticipate pregnancy to feel right most of the time people are like oh i have nausea and and then they come see us and we're like, no, that's not normal. You don't need nausea to be pregnant. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, I could be pregnant and not have nausea? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the norm that we want to set up. Right. Um, so there's really like, there's a difference in, and I went through this when I was pregnant. I kept going to my doctor like, can you make sure you checked all these hormones? And she's like, you don't need to keep checking stuff. <laughs> like, this is what I do for my patients. So can you please order the tests? <laughs> and she was like, okay, I get it. You're a doctor. You're weird. <laughs> you know, you're this like functional doctor. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it, like a, so many times. And I feel like this is true for even if you're not pregnant. As soon as someone comes in and says, oh, I don't feel well, and the basic labs are normal, doctor's like, you're fine. You, It's in your head. And you go back again. You maybe go back twice or three times, and you either get birth control or antidepressants. And, and that's it. That's the level of care that most women are getting. And then they come see someone like who does more functional stuff, and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that you could test my iron stores. Uh, like, it's it seems super basic for us, but I feel like the number of times people are like, oh, I didn't realize that was connected to this thing. Or I didn't realize I could have food sensitivities. Or, you know, like all the little things that we work on. And most of the time, there are direct connections into how they're feeling. So their set of symptoms is like little indicator or blinker lights that are saying, hey, go check this or go check this. 
do some more analysis to figure out what is going on under the surface so that they can get to feeling healthy and vibrant and and that shouldn't be the the abnormal <laughs> that should be the norm right that should be what we're aiming for is feeling thriving in our bodies but absolutely that's not that's not what medicine's for mm-hmm. <laughs> that is correct you know yes you know like unfortunately a lot of people have no idea what can be checked and you know as you said they're so surprised you know when minor minor things you know could be checked and they're not optimal they said oh i never knew my doctor never checked that and so mm-hmm. now the easy things you know which can be fixed like iron levels you know vitamin d vitamin b12 very very small things you know like that can easily be checked and can be optimized absolutely absolutely so if you're feeling crappy in your body find someone who will listen and do some different type of testing <laughs> right absolutely uh- you're right so, and let's talk yeah. about this thing like what kind of things like should people with hashimotos expect you know like if they're trying to conceive um i think the biggest thing is harder time to conceive and then potential pregnancy loss and as soon as we discover someone has hashimotos we're like okay pause like no more trying to conceive just hit the pause button, try not to get pregnant. Because if you get pregnant in an imbalanced state, the likelihood that you'll again have a pregnancy loss is higher. So instead, just hit the pause button so that we can do whatever is possible to heal whatever is going on under the surface so that we can create a different environment and and hopefully a different outcome for you. Um, so first thing is to pause. Second, you all, I feel like almost always Hashimoto's and autoimmune in general leads to food sensitivities. And a lot of times I think they're, they assume that it's going to be a sensitivity to gluten, dairy, or soy. And sure, those are great starting points. Try, eliminate it, see how you feel. But more often than not, it's not enough. So doing testing, understanding that your gut is essentially at the core of the autoimmune thing and healing the gut lining and replenishing the microbiome of the gut is going to play a role in how well your immune system functions or how well it doesn't overfunction in the case of autoimmune conditions. So it's really um, kind of healing the underlying thing. And then, of course, if you've had food sensitivities, gut inflammation, intestinal permeability issues, all of the things that created the autoimmune condition, all of the same things also created nutrient deficiencies that then led to lower egg quality. So the impact of the gut not functioning well on fertility directly then becomes, oh, you started out with crappy eggs that even if they got fertilized, weren't good enough to sustain 
pregnancy or you d- you can't get pregnant because they're not great eggs which then leads to low progesterone deficiency or luteal phase defects which then lead to irregular menstrual cycles that's the biggest symptom of that so you get kind of these ter- these domino effects in fertility that are coming essentially from the gut level of dysfunction and then there is evidence now that if your microbiome is imbalanced in the gut if you had intestinal permeability issues we're calling it uterine permeability issues it's essentially like a reflection of what's happening in the gut in the uterine urine cavity so this intestinal permeability uterine permeability there's a correlation there that degree of inflammation in the uterus makes it really easy for the immune system to then attack the potential embryo so all like there are degrees of how this impacts fertility and we start with heal the gut heal the intestines heal the lining of the gut make sure you replenish the microbiome in the gut and and then work on the downstream effects the nutrient deficiencies the egg quality and the uterine health before getting pregnant which will then make sure that when you do get pregnant it becomes a higher chance that that baby develops into a full-term pregnancy it is hopefully less complications because there's evidence that Hashimoto's can um, predispose someone to preeclampsia to placental disruption abruption um, and we can't always prevent it, but we know that the chances of it happening go down if we did all the healing work prior to conception. So that's that's our thought process in how like Hashimoto's is just this like, yes, we found something that's happening, but whatever is happening is like telling us that giving us a big global picture of what all is not happening um and it's a and, very in-depth look at you know infertility issues you know it's just not a very different way of looking at it because obviously conventional medicine has no idea that the microbiome has a connection to kind of infertility issues and they're not even looking at it so right. you are working very in-depth you know with all of these folks looks like yeah and and like microbiome is awesome because there's actually evidence that the the reproductive microbiome cervix uterus vagina the the microbiome locally has an impact on fertility outcomes so this is the cutting edge in fertility right now is there's so much research on microbiome and like reproductive microbiome and IVF outcomes, whether you get a good quality egg, implantation happen, how well the baby survives is all dependent on the local microbiome. So we're about a month away from this test (laughs) that 
we can do a swab and be able to get a read of the local microbiome, reproductive microbiome. And then we can say, oh, this specific bacteria has been connected to pregnancy loss or this bacteria is connected to infertility. And we can then create protocols that are specifically designed to impact that microbiome and reset it to an optimal microbiome. So I can't wait. I've been waiting for this test for way too long. <laughs> like um, the person at this lab he came out with a gut microbiome test. Mm, it's probably like five or six years ago. And their gut microbiome test is amazing, super in-depth. And I got on the phone with him and I was like, dude, where's the vaginal microbiome test? Like, we need that. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if there's a field for that. I'm like, it's here. Let me give you all this research. Um, so this is, it's been like the research has been coming out about this. But the fact that we can now access that data and like apply it to our patients is going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, we're, we're ready. We're like, can we put it in order? We'll be taking a hundred of those. <laughs> well, I'm sure that, that is exciting. You know, I had no idea that such a test, you know, is exist where they can actually check, you know, like the vaginal microbiome. We all know about it, that there is a microbiome, but obviously we had no idea what we can check it. Because for me, it's like, if you can check it, you can fix it. So I think that's great that, you know, to knowing what the microbiome is there locally would be amazing. Yeah. Exactly. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, a lot of people would have this question, okay, well, what some of the things they can do right now, you know, that can improve their chances of conception or obviously to kind of get pregnant sooner than later? Yeah, I think the first step is really like test, right? So test and know if you like, make sure you don't have antibodies to the thyroid. And we haven't even talked about antibodies and how they affect sperm health but there is a connection of autoimmune conditions in men which sounds rare but it exists and those autoimmune conditions kind of leading to really low sperm health sperm morphology and motility most of the time is extremely depleted in these men so really like making sure both of you have been screened for autoimmune. We know like autoimmune rates have like risen so much in the US and there's all kinds of theories on why that is. But as autoimmune conditions go up, also fertility issues go up. And I think the best thing we can do is like we're screening for it. We screen everybody because sometimes there's no symptoms. Sometimes the only symptom is infertility. We won't know unless we know for sure. So our approach is like, we're just going to have to test you until we're sure that it's not present. Um, so that's the first piece. The second piece is if, if that has been discovered or you suspect that, oh, I could have Hashimoto's, then certainly removing the top food intolerances, um, gluten, dairy, soy, those tend to be the top three. 
um, get rid of those. See if you feel different. Sometimes you might see, notice a difference. Sometimes you may not. And this is where things get really tricky and you have to work with someone that knows what to look for because sometimes people will say, well, I took the foods away and nothing happened and I'm still not pregnant. So what the heck? And <laughs> um, my response to that is like, okay, but if we're, if A, nothing happened or B, you started with very little symptoms except for not being able to conceive. You took the foods away, hoping that that was enough to get you pregnant, and then still you didn't get pregnant, then that could tell me there's something else going on or that there is potentially this, like, you're still eating foods that you're sensitive to. It's just not so obvious as the main common ones. So that's where like you need a specific test to figure out like, oh, is there some other food sensitivity? And I've seen things like kale and tomatoes and beef. I've seen beef, chicken, like all the things that you would not consider a sensitivity for most people. People have sensitivities too. So it is it can really be a, a big gamut of things. And that's where more specific testing helps to figure out like, okay, I tried the basics, it didn't work. Let me try something else or let me just test and know. Um, and that's where I used to do a lot of like elimination diets. And I, I've just decided like, it's a waste of time because so often the things that are coming up are things that we're not removing. So I'm like, well, if you're, uh, you're if you're sensitive to something like ginger, and generally we consider ginger healthy, we consider turmeric healthy, and those things are going into your diet, but you're having a reaction to it, th those are never going to be picked up by a food elimination diet. Absolutely. So that's where I've just gotten to like, just test it. It's expensive, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's like saving your time, energy, and mental space to be like, okay, here's a here's the result. Here's what we're going to do about it. Done. So let's pause um, over here, you know, like, because I want to talk about yeah. this aspect because there are a lot of tests available and different kinds of yeah. tests, you know, which are for yeah. sensitivities. Which one is yeah. your favorite? <laughs> uh, so I, I am a little bit biased towards the cell science systems test. Probably the second favorite would be Cyrex, but I have found I've I have like super dedicated patients and sometimes I'll be like, can we do these two tests that are literally the same exact thing, but we're going to like take two blood samples and send them to two different labs. And sometimes I'll just say like, I'm trying to test this company out, I'll pay for it. I just want to get two blood samples so I can compare side by side and see which one makes more sense. So I do this sometimes like a new lab comes out and they like swear by their testing and I'm like, okay, great. I'll pay, I'll pay $500 for that test so that I can get a sample side by side and see which one fits better. So I've done this for years with food sensitivity and cell science outside of one anomaly, I've done probably 200 of these tests 
one person has not improved from that testing. Really? So it like, I know like cell science has some so much debate and there's this whole group of doctors that are anti. So there's that. I <laughs> understand that that exists. <laughs> and like, my patients don't lie, right? The right. successes don't lie. So when people say like, why do you believe in this hands down? And now I've been training doctors and these doctors are coming back like, oh, I had tested with KBMO or whatever other test is out there. Those results, I followed the, the plan that would come out of those results. Don't feel any different. I do the cell science, follow the plan. I feel different. Um, so now we're seeing this like, it's not just my craziness. I have other doctors <laughs> that are like testing this out on their own. And they're like, actually, you're right. Like, why does this work so much better? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. I just know that the data that we get from them is pretty consistently accurate. And there's only one person that has ever come back and said, nope, I still have all of my symptoms. You're wrong. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it. Like one <laughs> out of 200 I can handle. Absolutely. Uh, oh, that yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. What else, you know, any, any other tips that you have for people who are trying to get pregnant? Um, oh, like pregnancy also, like let's suppose Hashimoto's wasn't the thing that's going on. Then we talked a little bit about what else to consider, like the vaginal microbiome, all of that is super important. But we can even backtrack to the basics, which is a lot of times women are told, oh, keep trying for six to 12 months. If it doesn't happen in 12 months, then let us know and we'll figure something out. And most of the time they go to the OB the OB does some basic tests after 12 months of trying, which already is like a long time to commit to something and keep feeling like, damn, yet again, I'm not like something is wrong with me. I'm failing at something. Um, so for me, I'm like, don't wait 12 months, get pay for it out of pocket if you need to. Right. And these tests, there are labs nowadays that offer at-home test kits. They'll ship you a kit, you do a little blood spot, send it back. It gives you a read of your hormones for like $150. So you're waiting for your doctor to do something that you can just like, forget it, I'll do it myself. <laughs> I don't need you, doctor. Like, I'm gonna figure this out for myself. And the, the benefit of the hormone testing, um, most of the time we're doing cycle day three hormone tests. FSH, LH, estradiol, AMH, those are the basics. Those four should give you a nice, um, at least overview of whether or not you're on the right path or something is way off and you should really consider a different path. And many times there are women that come and they're like, 25, 27, 30, they do this like baseline and I look at their hormones and I'm like, you don't need me. Like, mm -hmm. just keep trying. This looks good. Keep trying. At least at that point, we're basing it on some figure, some data. 
and we can say like this is maybe there is maybe there isn't anything deeper going on and a lot of times they'll message and they say thank you so much like you telling me that everything was fine took away this anxiety that I had and now I'm pregnant and they go on to have completely healthy children and um so just like to me that the knowledge knowledge is power you know something you do something if you don't know then you're in the dark about what could be happening and then every time you're trying to get pregnant and it's not happening it's creating more anxiety more fear more like oh my god something is wrong with me and if we can assuage that fear by a simple like $150 out of pocket, just order it yourself. It's called modern fertility. Um, they're relatively accurate. I don't, I don't base like whole plan treatment plans on it, but it's enough to get in the ballpark. And if you're able to take those results, run it through, like we do this for free. Like you can message us your labs and I'll look at them and say, no, you're good goodbye um, <laughs> um, or we have like resources that people can download for free so do the testing because it can either put your mind to complete ease and we say okay like let's just try for a little longer or we look at the labs and we say you can keep going but this is probably unlikely to happen or you can like start working on this now so that you're not waiting 12 months for something to happen magically when it's not aligned to happen. And that's, I think the difference is like, just having the information sooner makes it easier to make a decision. You're not wasting 12 months of someone's time and the, the anxiety and all of the emotions that get created out of that time. And you can use those 12 months to really like make a difference so that sooner rather than later, they're more optimal and can go ahead and get, try to get pregnant. So that, that on the female side, that's really important. On the male side, I would say equally important, get tested, get the sperm checked. And the same with the men, sometimes men go two, three years before any kind of semen analysis, which is ridiculous, right? Like most fertility, even fertility doctors, OBGYNs, everyone is kind of assuming that it's the female. Yet statistically, we know 49% of fertility issues are male driven. So what are we doing? (laughs) Like, why aren't we testing them out of the gate? Like, I don't care if you're, I don't care if you had a child in when you were a teenager, like that has no impact on what's happening now. Mm -hmm. And I literally have men that will come in and say, Oh, I'm fine. My swimmers are great because I got someone pregnant in high school. And I'm like, and how old are you now? That was 20 years ago, literally. So (laughs) really, you think your swimmers are still great. (laughs) Uh, And and then like the age factor and how much like I've had guys that are 25 whose sperm look horrid. And 
these are guys who always female assumed to be the issue. So get the sperm tested. Uh, and same as the female side, there's at home sperm analysis that are really accurate that you can they'll ship you a kit. You give your sperm sample, ship the ship it back to them. They give you results in like two days. Um, so get both people tested quickly so that you can either like just let go of anxiety and relax or go into super high gear and do something about what's going on and that something doesn't have to be IVF. And that's often the fear is like, oh, if this doesn't work, I'm going to have to do IVF. And yeah, like IVF is a great option if you've tried everything else, but don't assume that you need to do IVF. There's so many things that you can do before that point. So that's, Absolutely. those are my, um, that's my rant on testing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. You know, that, I think that's very empowering approach rather than just waiting approach. And I think I like it because that gives you, first of all, uh, some tools. Okay. Well, if something is wrong, you act on it right now. If nothing is wrong, then just chill and relax. So I think, you know, mm -hmm. like that uh, information is very useful that people can check those things on their own. So that is amazing. Yeah. I think that was great information. People will like to know where they can find you. Uh, so we're on Instagram and TikTok, Holistic Fertility Doctor. Um, that's where I share a ton of like free information. You can um, Instagram has a link in bio with free resources that you can download. Um, and then our website is holisticfertilityinstitute.com. Awesome. I'm sure a lot of people will be checking those out because I think your resources are wonderful. So thank you so much for coming over here and sharing all this great information. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.